Today on From A to Ziggy, Baby Universal. Welcome to From A to Ziggy, the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order from A to Ziggy. Uh, my name is Travis. And my name is Thomas. And today we are talking about Baby Universal. More Tin Machine! Tin Machine from Tin Machine 2. Tin Machine 2, the re-Tin Machining. From 1991. And this is the opening track from Tin Machine track. 2. What shall we say about Baby Universal? Um... This was the first Tin Machine song we've done so far that has taken a little bit of coming around, as far as I'm concerned. So, this is our fourth Tin Machine song we've done, I believe. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, this is. I, I feel like the weaker before so far. Not to say I, I completely disliked it, because there are some moments in this song that I really, really like. But there were better Tin Machine songs. Yeah. All of the previous three were better than this. The previous three we've done were, were much better. The, the opening was just like, it was, it was just them, just baby, With baby, the baby, baby, baby repeated, just, yeah. It feels like it's trying really hard to be weird. I don't know. It just, it's almost like kind of like that robotic delivery of the baby, baby, baby. Like it was just kind of very see, repetitive and trying too hard. I see where you're coming from, and it's been so long for me, that it that aspect of it has sort of faded into the distant past of when I was unfamiliar with this song. So it, it just becomes a, a part of this song. Yeah, I've forgotten how strange that delivery is. Yeah. You're right, it's it's kind of robotic. And baby being, you know, such a an intimate and tender word, you know, to use with someone close to you and you to have it delivered in such a robotic way yeah. is very... Maybe that's kind of the point of the song. Because, of course, it's delivered by another of Bowie's alien characters, uh, Spaceman. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's come to Earth and is, is he's, gonna, he's another kind of Ziggy-like messiah character. He's kind of here to, whatever, deliver a message or liberate mankind or, or something. It's kind of vague. Yeah, and and that kind of clear. I mean, if this song had come out in a more current era, you would feel like it was just focus group by the fans, basically. Where maybe after a string of not as well received albums, people would be like, ah, get back to the weird space stuff. Yeah, so it's it's this kind of Bowie formula, you know, this aloof uh, alien presence. Yeah, and it just I don't know, it just felt kind of forced. Mm. This time around. That's the thing about the double-edged sword of Tin Machine is that you have Bowie being Bowie. And then when he's when he's weird and eccentric, it's like charming. But yeah. then this is under the rubric of the whole band as a unit. It's like, are they spacemen too? Are we, is this a thematic like concept album band? Are yeah. They now, and it wouldn't feel organic coming from them. The way they present themselves... Both the Sales Brothers and Reeves Cabrels. They all kind of like their appearance wise, they look like the like local blues band that you see in bars on the weekends. Yeah. And, and so we were watching before we did this, the SNL performance of this song. Introduced by Macaulay Culkin. Introduced by Macaulay Culkin, which was a great surprise for like a loud rocking band. 
they do not present like david bowie's the only one on that stage that looks like he should be in a hard rock band but he's still wearing a suit yeah they're all wearing but it's like suits. a crazy suit He's what is with these like a yellow it's like jacket, super yellow. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's a kind of rock and roll suit. Whereas like Reeves Cabrales looks like he could be a hitman in an '80s movie. Which suit. you like when you listen to them, you don't expect that. It's a almost, suit suit though. It is almost a suit suit. Yeah, it's, it's very big, very boxy, very almost like like it's like a, a just a size smaller than the David Byrne stop making sense suit it's boxy as hell yeah um but yeah he, he so five sizes smaller than david bowie's previous appearance on saturday night live yes when he had the gigantic and needed to be carried around <laughs> but you like you listen to them and you almost expect him to be like this almost like slash looking dude because he just shreds yeah he's got a very unassuming yeah look to him but um plays guitar like like nothing yeah and that was one of the things I did like about the song is it is very heavy. I, I didn't love the, the verses. I didn't love the intro. But that pre-chorus with the failures, his father's mothers to chaos. No, baby, no, baby, no. The music just gets so frantic and it feels very urgent. Hmm. And then again, it opens up into this big chorus where... Yeah, at least I had to sort of zone out on the lyrics a little bit because it did, again, feel like David Bowie trying to be alien because people were bitching about him not being old Bowie. The Hello Humans. Let's talk about the chorus because I, I actually like the chorus. I think it's really, I think it's really cool. <laughs> I think if, again, if you take, if you think about it independent of the rest of his body of work, and this is like your first exposure or you don't realize it's David Bowie, it is a really cool chorus. So you're, you're confronted with this... Uh, you think that you're listening to a human being singing this song to you. Right. All through the first four verse, it seems, you know, this is a pretty standard rock song. How does it start? Like, There's a whole bunch of stuff about, you know, children and parents and their relationships and running, you know, going, going one way and... and kind of rebel without a cause imagery and then suddenly you're confronted with this very strange creature who who addresses you as human uh and then he, he has this sense that you know he doesn't really know how to present uh to present his thoughts he's not really good at conveying uh information through regular means of communication Maybe he's more used to a kind of telepathic way of communicating. He assumes that you're feeling everything he's thinking, not not hearing yeah. what he's thinking, not hearing his thoughts in terms of words, but it's it's another kind of communication. You should be feeling what he's thinking. He should be able to convey this stuff more easily, but he's having trouble. I mean, it, it is a... It's... And he's also got a message that uh, there's some sort of apocalypse about to occur yeah. because nothing starts tomorrow. We've got, in, we used to have five years left, and now we've got yeah. like just a day, you know, less than 24 hours. Nothing starts tomorrow. Like, if this chorus had been used in a song from him in the 70s, when he was still really at the height of his spaceman persona and his fixation on all things space, yeah. and it, it would have felt so much more organic. But now it does feel like catering. To all the reviewers who were kind of been basically been panning him for you know five or six years, no, I mean not much of Tin Machine is done as any kind of compromise to any kind of audience. Right. It is very this is how we want to do and what we want to do. But the lyrics in this one 
feel a little bit like compromise. Very well written. It's really cool. And again, if I, it's, it's like when we were talking about Baby Can Dance. If you're weighing it just as this independent project and not weighing it against his previous body of work, it's easier to be open-minded and say, oh, that's really cool. I really like what he did there. But when you're looking at it against the other stuff, you say, oh, this feels a little forced. Hmm. Do you think he planned for uh, the last track of Tin Machine 1 to line up with the first track of Tin Machine oh, 2? Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. I really, hope, I really hope so. I don't know if there's anything there. I do really, uh, lyric I do really like in the song It's is uh, towards the end, the last verse, a speck of dust just settled in my eye. It doesn't matter. I've seen everything anyway. I love that. It's just a grizzled rock star line. What kind of dust? What kind? Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that part. I just thought of it literally like just regular dust, but maybe it, maybe it is cocaine. Or uh, stardust, star, perhaps? Perhaps, star, perhaps stardust. Yeah, I kind of like that. It's and and that kind of seems more of the time where your typical rock star was complaining about being a rock star to have him say, "Oh, I, you know, there's something something obstructing my vision, but I don't care. I've already seen everything. It doesn't matter." Yeah, I'm jaded. Another kind of illusion here seems kind of like an allusion to uh, one of Bowie's favorite or one of the directors that film directors that Bowie liked, Stanley Cooper. Uh, he says, I'm the baby now. Like, you don't grow into a baby. No. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, unless you're I, Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or unless you're uh, Dave uh, Bowman from 2001. You, yeah, you fall into the monolith. Yeah. And you come out the other side as the star child. So maybe maybe this is a visitation from Dave Bowman from 2010, the year we make contact. <laughs> Whenever I think of 2001, I had this weird experience. I, I came home from, a, this is a long story for another time, but it was a truly horrific internet date where like, it was not even just that it was like so bad. It was so bad that I was like becoming this girl's metric for bad internet dates. <laughs> it was really bad. So like I came home and my uh, my roommate had found 2001 on TV. It was like just coming on. So we watched that. And then immediately after, we uh, we couldn't really find anything on. So we went into our DVR to see if we had anything good from the previous week. And it was when, um, do you remember when on Jeopardy, they did like a tournament of champions against the, the Watson computer? Yeah. Who looks like a monolith. Who looks like a monolith and is terrifying to have this like sentient computer competing at Jeopardy after you watch 2001 A Space Oddity. Like I was, or A, Sp a Space Odyssey. Bowie Freudian slip. Yeah, it was so creepy. It's just like, when is Watson just going to be like, no, Alex, that's not the question. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't let you have this daily double, Ken Jennings. And then the freaking computer won, too, if I recall correctly. So it was really, the whole thing gave me the heebie-jeebies after. Like if I had watched a Terminator movie immediately after, I wouldn't have slept for a week. Um, so this internet date, from that point on, did she, did she rate her bad internet dates as this was one Travis? Or two <laughs> I really hope so. All right, but that's a story for another time. That is, it's, I mean, I don't know if it would ever pertain to any songs. We can hope so. We can hope so. Is there a song about a catastrophic internet date? <laughs> I feel like there is. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. 
But yeah, this is this to me is just a classic case of there's some parts of this song I really enjoy. There's some parts of this song that kind of feel like a drag. Yeah, and it it would lead to things from outside. I don't know. We've brought up outside a couple times in the past week or so, but there's a song on outside called "Hello Space Boy," which a lot of times the single the the version that you'll hear is the version that was remixed by the Pet Shop Boys. Uh, it's a very late '90s techno sounding song. I did see it pop up on, um, there was a list that came up that was um, Bowie songs that only the hardcore fans love. And that was one that had popped up on there. So, I mean, yeah, not to spoil too much about Hello Space Boy. We'll get to it eventually, but that's another interesting song. This, like I said earlier, it's got the sort of hello, hello humans kind of alien thing to it. Anything else about Baby Universal? So the other three Tin Machine songs we've done have been a little bit more straightforward. Not really a whole lot of room for interpretation. This one uh, is definitely a little more abstract and kind of what they must have been talking about as far as disparate ideas that are only loosely connected. Yeah, but there's there's unifying themes in this song, like the fathers and mothers and, and babies all throughout, of course. So yeah. whereas in the previous song, Baby Can Dance, the baby was in the sense, the intimate sense of object of affection, romantic affection. This one is obviously the offspring yeah. type baby. Almost like the, the start of some new species. Yeah. Some new alien species. Right, baby, baby, universal. Right, something yeah. like the the some kind of over overman, so to speak, something greater than mankind, a kind of super person, if you will. Something that could maybe grow up into some kind of a superman. Is that what you're <laughs> right. implying? <laughs> Perhaps a super baby, an uber baby. So, so this song is basically about Superman. The song is about that's Cal- how I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to interpret this. This song is about Kal El. This is this is the song about Kal El. <laughs> On my planet, it means hope. Yeah. So, it, but it's got it's got themes to it. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it all means. Or if it really needs to mean anything, but it's you know it's got these image this imagery of a visitation from something greater than you or anything you know, and the relation between parent and offspring. Jimmy Dean, that's the sausage guy, right? Yeah, that was my first. Like, I, I, I don't think that's who he's talking about, but that's that's what my thought went to. <laughs> like Jimmy Dean, you don't talk back to me. It's just a lonely. Breakfast? Talking to your Jimmy Dean box? I mean, he's right. He will not talk back to you. Try as you will. Uh, do you remember when they had the, uh, the Jimmy Dean sausage wrapped in a pancake on a stick? I do not remember that. I, I never had it, but it was, it was a very, uh, it was a recurring thing that Jon Stewart made reference to a lot on The Daily Show as like a symbol of our declining human race. I mean, I love corn dogs. I I do enjoy a good corn dog. dog. It's like a really a more savory, spicy corn dog. Yeah. Did you dip it? It was. I believe it did come with like a syrup to dip it in. Sounds awesome. I mean, it definitely sounds like why this is such a giant country. I would love, as far as as far as as far as the girth of our of our residents. Yes. Uh, I would love to try that though. It's it kind of reminds. It sounds like like what Weird Al would eat on Al TV. Like a, it does a hot dog and a Twinkie. With <laughs> <mustard> and... 
Yeah, no, but it sounds delicious. Um, it sounds adventurous. It does. It does or, sound like so an adventure of a food. Um, before we embark on that adventure, hmm. I guess we should rate this thing. We should rate this song and get back to the adventure. Get back to the adventure. This this is an opening song for an album that I really enjoy, but like a lot of opening songs, it's there to provide the energy and just get you into the mood for it. And it's, and it's not it's not as strong as some of the songs on this album. So I'm going to give it uh, three Jimmy Dean pancake, pancake wrap sausages. <laughs> um, I was actually all thinking about giving it three. I didn't know what the unit was going to be at the time, but I will, I will also give this three pancake wrapped sausages that will kill us all in the end. Oh man, I am stuffed after that <laughs> feast. Uh, I'm glad we had that little adventure. Um, to celebrate our adventures, you know, maybe we should like write some sort of soliloquy or maybe a sonnet based on it. Yeah. Adventures. We can call it the sonnet of the adventurers. Sonnet of the adventurers. That's got a pretty good ring to it. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Um, maybe the the epic poem the, of the adventurers. The, the, the tome of the adventurers. The Bibliography. <laughs> An- annotated bibliography. <laughs> <Where's> this- <laughs> Just citing the sources that talked about the adventure. Uh, that's it's very it's very postmodern. <laughs> Maybe we'll just boil it all down to a ballad. Let's yeah, let's sing about it. A Please. heartfelt ballad. Uh yeah. So join us again on Friday when we'll be talking about Ballad of the Adventurers. In the meantime. Oh, and by the time this airs, we will have just gone to see Holy Holy. Oh my God, that's right. Today's Wednesday, isn't it? It is Wednesday. How awesome was that show? <laughs> it was so It was amazing. so like, So we're recording this before, in real time. I knew and, beforehand that it was going to be amazing, but... Oh man. I was not. I was still not prepared. We want to give, give you some time to marinate on that. So we'll wait to recap it. Yeah. Maybe we'll wait a couple episodes to recap it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just don't think I'm ready. I'm not ready. I'm still processing when they played. We'll just edit in whatever song. <laughs> we'll put like a Siri voice on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so until until Friday's episode when we talk about Ballad of the Adventures, feel free to share your thoughts on uh, how amazing this Holy Holy show was. And if you didn't see it in our neck of the woods, if you saw it in your neck of the woods, tell us how, how that show went. And you can do such said communication through our Facebook page. You can tweet at us, From A to Ziggy. You can go to fromatoziggy.com and leave a comment on the page for this episode. Email us at podcast at fromatoziggy.com. Leave us a review and a rating on iTunes because that'll really help us reach more people. And also, let us know if you'd like to be a guest on this show. Get in touch with us. Uh, We're eager to talk with as many people as we can. The more the merrier, so please get in touch with us. Until Friday, I am Thomas. And I am Travis. Goodbye, space boys. Say that's true. They got-